Today, we are going to go on an amazing journey of recovery with somebody who has suffered far more than anybody really should, and yet pulled herself back. So cue that music, and let's get this started. Joining me today is the shining light of the podcasting universe. She sparkles in the sky. She is a wonderful, warm human being. And she has personally advised me, which I appreciate because she doesn't know me. It is producer Jemmy Lagania. I said it wrong. Jemmy! You got so close. You, let me tell you, you, you're like on the 99-yard line. <laughs> Lagania, you're so close. But man, you get a gold star. Why, thank you. I never quite managed to cross the line. I get tackled, get injured. <laughs> Some big guy sits on my head. It's just like my childhood. I mean, goodness gracious, the PTSD must be real. <laughs> and constant, and to some degree, my friend. Aww. I just, uh, I have so few, but the PSTD is definitely one of them. <laughs> How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to the holiday seasons getting under underway, food, presents, fun, all of that good stuff. So I'm doing great today. Let me tell you, it's a good day. Are you the person who gets saddled with having to make the entire holidays? Heck no. <laughs> I have. A, I think I've cooked a Thanksgiving dinner exactly once in my entire life, and that's never happening again, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so no, I, it's all about getting presents for my kid. That's, that's all I care about. <laughs> hmm. Was it that the family got together and were sort of like... Jemmy, we really appreciate the effort, but this is not you, no. <laughs> no, it's that after I was done with it, the first time I was like, Jemmy, th th that's never happening again. <laughs> that's what it was. And I was actually living in Virginia, so I wasn't even serving my own family. I was serving the boyfriend I was seeing at the time. That was it. That was my motivation, and I wanted to feed his belly. Never Put on all that yet. work for just one person. It's sort of like, nope, not for you. Not for you. I know, I know, I know. I'm the guy who does lots of side dishes and then go to somebody else's house. So I've got four dishes to make for Thanksgiving, which will be oh. everybody listening. The food that you're hearing about right now will have already been consumed <laughs> and have returned to the universe in a different form to help fertilize future food. <laughs> so I love how you put that. So pretty. <laughs> poetry in natural biology. That's, that's why I'm here to, to bring poetry to the pain. I love it. <laughs> but the reason I wanted you here is you yourself have had this amazing, hard, extended weight loss journey. And I, I would like you to talk to uh, my listeners. Hi, listeners. Hi. Jimmy says hello, too. <laughs> about what it was, how you had gone on it, and uh, the trials that you've encountered. And once we've covered that, maybe a little bit about the actual, here's what I, how I worked out. Here are the things I did to um, improve myself. And here's how I chose to eat to affect these changes. But to start, please tell us a little bit about this physical ride that your body went on. Oh, yeah. What a ride it was. Oh, Lord. So growing up, I've always been very athletic. I played basketball, softball. I did acrobatics and gymnastics. I was a dancer. I, I mean, I was all over the place, field or stage. <laughs> like I was bouncing all over the place. So I was very fit. Um, not, not a tiny girl, not a thin girl, but I was very fit and muscular. Um, I, I once had someone randomly come up to me at Denny's and say, wow, you've got bowling ball, bowling ball calves. <laughs> really muscular leg there that's interesting compliment but that was my body type back then and that's and gymnastics too any gymnast looks like 
Well, just those thick legs from launching each themselves. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so in in college, I actually had an opportunity after my junior year of um, school to go abroad. So I had this um, a study abroad trip to Europe. So it was two weeks in Madrid, two weeks in Paris, and while I was there, I got really really sick. And I thought it was food poisoning at first. It was not. <laughs> it ended up after two weeks of getting sicker and sicker and sicker, barely making it through my class in Madrid. Um, the next day, we fly to Paris, and it's the day before classes are starting. And I, I'm in a couple uh, other girls' rooms hanging out at the hotel, and I double over in pain. And they're like, we're taking you to the hospital right now. So they did, and it was appendicitis. So just a stroke of really bad luck. Like I've never been on a big trip before. I've never been to Europe. It was, I had to work super hard to get there, both financially and, and academically to make it happen. And it was like, nope, not going to happen today. You're appendicitis. <laughs> appendicitis is on the calendar. So yeah, I got appendicitis. So it was Sunday and I was scheduled for surgery on Tuesday. They did it laparoscopically. So for anyone unfamiliar, that's when instead of a big scar... They basically poke like a whole bunch of little holes in you. So they have one for the laser, one for the suction, one for whatever else they need, right? And so they go in there and in order to have room to work, they pump your belly full of CO2. And so after the surgery's over, they're supposed to deflate you. <laughs> they forgot that step with me. So I woke up um, very distended, looking pregnant and in a lot of pain and having a hard time breathing. They kept trying to feed me antacids and nothing was working. So um, after about a week of getting progressively worse and worse and sicker and sicker and being able to breathe less and less and people just not listening to me, my French just was not on par when I was in pain. So I was having communication issues on top of it. I decided to check out of the hotel, of the hospital, excuse me. And so I did. And unfortunately, I mean, the timing couldn't have been worse because the airlines were on strike. So I couldn't go anywhere. So I wanted to come home, but I couldn't. I was stuck in Paris. Normally, that's a great story. Stuck in Paris. Woohoo! Not for me. <laughs> I was in a, in a hotel room for that whole week with no medical care whatsoever. I have to ask. So your your body is your your you're completely distended because you were pumped through with CO two. Yeah. Did that just slowly dissipate over time, or did it just remain? It's interesting because I didn't know what was happening at the time was happening. But once the doctors then told me, I was like, oh, I, I, I felt that. So all that CO2, essentially your diaphragm is actually two, two pieces with, you know, they're connected in the middle, but there's a left and the right. And so my, and it's, and it's kind of a little bit porous. And so what happened is all that gas bubbled up through my diaphragm. So in part, it went through my diaphragm. Part of it just pushed up my diaphragm. Um, so some of it did dissipate, but most of it went um, just into other parts of my body cavity, mostly up into my upper chest, right chest wall. So it pushed up my upper right diaphragm, pushed it up, and then collapsed my lung. So all of that was sitting up there. So it didn't really go too far. <laughs> it just went up as gas does. But not a lot of it left your body. It just was there. And I could feel these weird bubbling sensations. I knew something was going on pulmonary-wise. I just I didn't know what it was. And as I'm in the, the um, hotel, at some point I have a tendency I like to sleep on my side. And I had to sleep on my other side. And then I could only sleep sitting up. And it was just hard to breathe. And so I knew something was drastically wrong. 
So my mother had scheduled a doctor's appointment for me for the morning after I finally was able to come home. And it was a sight because... So you flew back with... I did. Did your lungs collapse prior to the flight, during the flight? Because all that pressure changes is dangerous, I would think, in this circumstance. Very dangerous. And I didn't know, understand what was going on. I didn't realize that my light lung had collapsed like it had. So it was fully fully collapsed lung. Um, my left lung was doing okay, but it's hard to get breath in if the other lung's not moving. And so it kind of need both to expand in order for, so my, because my right lung couldn't expand as healthy and fine as my left lung was, it was still really hard for me to breathe because I just couldn't get it to expand. So, um, they had to wheel me in a wheelchair onto the flight. So I was one of those, you know, special needs people who got on early. And then same thing. I got off the flight on a wheelchair And at this point, I had barely been eating for weeks. I'd lost a lot of weight, a lot. And I was basically a skeleton of skin and bones to such an extent that when I was sitting there in my wheelchair, customs or whatever, and I see, you know, you see everybody on the other side of the velvet rope waiting for their people to come through. And I could see my parents, but their eyes went over me twice because they didn't recognize me because that's how different I looked. And so I knew they weren't going to see me. So as much as I couldn't even speak at that point, um, I found strength somewhere and I pushed myself up in that wheelchair and I found enough breath just to yell out, Jean Nicole Gagnier. And I see my dad lock on me and he, if a black man can turn white, <laughs> I mean, he was a ghost. <laughs> he saw his daughter. He saw his precious little daughter looking near death's door and he lost all complexion hundred percent and he i've never seen him move so fast he ran well i've seen it one other time <laughs> okay he had to stop my brother from seriously hurting somebody but that's another story so i saw him like run past security didn't care and he he picked me up and you know so i was in my early 20s at the time with my dad holding me like i'm a baby i'll never forget that and you know he carried me out to the car so yeah, the next morning we had an appointment at my family doctor. So that night I had to sleep in my dad's big chair in the family room because I couldn't lay down. So, um, so next morning my family doctor had an x-ray machine in her office, which is really great. And so they did chest x-rays. My mom had taken me to the appointment. So we're in the, the office and the doctor walks in and she's holding the report and she looks up at me and she, She's looking down at the report and looks up at me and her eyes are like bulging out of her head. And she's like, always a good sign. (laughs) It's usually good news about to come when that happens. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. No, her exact words were, I can't, just like you were saying, she's like, I can't believe you survived the flight. She thought she just couldn't, she couldn't in her head explain why I was still alive. So, um, because it's exactly what you're saying, that pressure should have killed, like, as soon as I gone up, I should have gone down, essentially. Yeah. She said to us that uh, I need to go to the hospital right away. So, of course, my mom starts gathering her things. She's calling my dad. So, the doctor hears what she's saying. She's like, no, no, you don't understand. Because my mom's talking about, you know, meet us there. I'm taking her now. The doctor says, I've called an ambulance for your daughter. She, she needs medical care to get to the hospital. So, get to the hospital. And they had to do some procedures. I won't go into it. It's super gross. But they had to get stuff out of my lung and from around my lung. It was, it was disgusting. Let's just say the tube was about six inches long and a full, at least a full inch in diameter. 
And when they pulled that full of liquid out of my body cavity, I was in shock. And then they did it again, full of liquid. And they said, that's only half. The rest of it, my body was just going to have to absorb over time. So then it became, how do we get her lung functioning again? And it was physical therapy and all this stuff. And when I say I could barely walk up a flight of stairs, it would take me a half hour to go. I just, I could barely do anything. So yeah. So for the next several years, I steadily gained more and more weight. I got more and more depressed. There were a lot of reasons why that weight gain was inactivity, it was depression. And it just ended up being, I went from about 140 athletic, healthy, muscular pounds to 200 plus pounds made up of definitely not a whole lot of muscle. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. Comfort eating will do that to you. Oh, yeah. Plus just not being able to move. It's especially worse, I would think, for somebody who was prior to that moment, incredibly athletic, constantly working out, constantly in motion. Yeah. You kind of take it for granted when it then goes away and you can barely walk across the room without needing to stop for five minutes to breathe. Yeah. And it was tough because a lot of levels, I was abused while I was in the hospital. So every breath that I, I take, because I, I, I still feel it, reminds me of that. For, for those 10 years, <clears throat> um, see, I just cleared my throat. That's a, a lingering <laughs> remnant of my lung problem. So for 10 years, though, you know when you have an itch you can't scratch and how frustrating that is? My lung itched for 10 years. And I also got the hiccups every day for 10 years. It was 10 years of just a whole lot of mess. And so when I say it was like the depression and the weight gain was caused by a lot of things that were going on mentally, emotionally, and physically all together. Wow. It, it absolutely sounds terrible. Now I have asthma. So I have a sense of, I wonder if it's similar. So when, when you have asthma, sometimes, especially if you're having an attack, you take a breath and you can feel that you're not getting full lung capacity. Even if you take a really deep breath, you're just getting partial breath in. Mm -hmm. You can feel something obstructing, getting the air in. Right. Is it similar to that? Yes, it is very similar to that. In fact, that's what I technically clinically have now is asthma in my right lung, but it's not really. It's because there's so much scar tissue that it just it still can't function properly. Well, first of all, it's only about, at the time, it shrunk down to about a third of the size. Now it's about two thirds of the size. And there's a whole lot, there's like a layer of scar tissue on the bottom. And so that is preventing it from fully expanding. So I still have lingering issues, but it's gotten a lot better from two things, actually, from exercising and from podcasting and talking all the time has actually really helped as well. But it is it is very similar. And it's odd because the the sensation is fully on one side. My my left lung is having the time of its life. And it's like, come on, right lung. Let's keep it up. Come on, limp along. Let's go. Let's go. Your left lung is that bar hopping buddy. Meanwhile, the right guy... <laughs> Is the pale accountant who has to get to work in two hours. and He's the drunk uncle. So, you know, it's funny. Um, I was just in Tampa recently for a podcast convention, actually, and I went to lunch with a couple of friends. And we were sitting outside, and it was this outside patio, and, you know, there, so there were tables around us with people sitting. And every once in a while, I'll have a coughing fit. I, I can feel it coming on. There's not a heck of a lot I can do about it. It just happens. And I felt one coming on and being in the times we were living in, I didn't want to be the one sitting at a table at a restaurant coughing my face off. And so 
feeling it coming on, I got up, I went down the stairs, crossed the street, because I know that I have to make such a physical effort sometimes to get whatever is clogging me up out. Sorry to be gross, but um, it's, it's like you can see it. I have to curl my back. I have to raise my arm. I have to do like weird position. I have to contort myself. And it can be very disturbing for someone who's like, what is going on with her? Why is she coughing? And how far away can I get? <laughs> I think she's possessed. <laughs> and looks like. we're going to run away and then we're going to pray. Exactly. But please send some of those prayers my way, please. <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened to you because that's horrible. It's terrible. And it's just, it's such a hill to have to climb, mountain yeah. to climb. So at some point, this has been going on for 10 years. You've gained weight. You've not been able to move. Muscle is one of those wonderful things where it doesn't just stick around. No. You either, <laughs> you're either building it up or it's decaying away right. and it only gives you like a little two week window where it'll just stick around <laughs> for fun. But after two weeks, it's sort of like, well, Tap we're not doing fingers on the table long enough. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, I was, I was here to go like tackle a bunch of people, but <laughs> since, since we seem to be watching a lot of TV, I'm just going to slowly fade back into the universe. Exactly. We'll stick around enough so that you can like open the bag of chips, but otherwise we're out. And get the chip to your mouth. That is important too. Get the chip to your mouth. 50-50 <laughs> importance. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's about balance there. <laughs> so after a certain period of time, you had to have made an active decision. Something must have happened. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, I had kept asking my, and I'd been through a couple different pulmonary specialists, either because I wasn't. I wasn't really driving with their answers or one of them retired on me <laughs> that 10 year span. So I was always frustrated that I just couldn't get anywhere. Like, I, you know, and so finally, um, my, one of my pulmonary doctors got me to do certain breathing exercises and I took it on and I, I managed it. And I got to a certain point where I had enough lung capacity where she thought it was okay for me to work out again. And so when, and I was just so desperate for that green light. Once she gave me that green light, I was like, okay, I knew I couldn't get myself mentally prepared for this journey. I'm about to go on until I had that green light. Cause I couldn't mentally prepare and then go into a holding cell. I'd be like that muscle that had been waiting around for you to tackle somebody. I would have been like, all right, goodbye. But once I got that green light, I knew the first thing I had to do was work on my mentality. I had to get mentally prepared in order to do this. So then it became about, okay, let me learn what I can as quickly as I can about nutrition and fitness. Now, I was really, really lucky and fortunate that my habits were all over the place. And so along with that meant my sleep habits were all over the place. So I was up really late one night and I saw an infomercial for a fitness regimen, whatever, one of those, you know, get things, put the tapes in, you do work out at home. And I ordered it. Billy Blanks. Yes, basically. Right. <laughs> I think I had a couple of his too. This is actually a Beachbody program. <laughs> I was going for it, you know. So I ordered it. But what I was really grateful and reason why I ordered it is because they were saying and promising a whole bunch of nutritional information involved in, in it as well. And so I took that. And then I also bought a book. I think it was called like Best Life Diet or something like that. And so I, I got that and I read it. And it just really resonated with me about the decisions and stuff like that. So I just wanted to get myself into a place so what I did was, and actually this is something that is 
one of my favorite pieces of advice, no matter what journey someone's about to go on, because we talk a lot about in the podcast and we talk a lot about, you know, remember your why, what is your why? And actually this was when I learned that lesson was at this point was I knew this was not going to be easy. This is going to be really, really hard. And I knew that there were going to be times when I wouldn't see that scale go down or I'd even see it go up after working really hard for a week. So I, I, but I knew I didn't want to quit. So I'm like, well, the only person who might be able to convince myself not to quit at the times when I feel my absolute lowest is me. So while I was in a positive headspace and motivated and was flooded with all the reasons why I wanted to feel better, I had 10 years of feeling like crap and I wanted to feel better. I started writing down all my reasons why. And I made it a list, uh, a living, ongoing list. And anytime I was doing whatever, and an, a, another reason why I popped in my brain, I added to the list. Literally, it could be as simple as I want to be able to reach up and grab the laundry detergent from the top shelf without my belly getting in the way or huffing and puffing when I'm done, right? Or it could be I want to fit into a cute pair of jeans or, and this is true, this, is on, this was on my list, I promise you, I want to be able to sa- save my kids in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> my lips like if it goes down I don't want to be because I'm too chubby why I didn't get over that wall we needed to climb over right you don't need to be faster than the zombies you just need to be faster than your you need neighbors. to be able to, be, to have a good tripping foot have a good tripping foot right now you don't have to outrun the bear you don't have to outrun no, the bear exactly you just have to outrun the person you're next to it's right I just I just knew I would be the person everyone else would be outrunning <laughs> and I was juicy, so I had to do something about it. So yeah, all of that became. My Am list. I the food? <laughs> Am I the food? I look around and I think I'm it's the like food. It's like that cartoon when all of a sudden you become a T-bone steak or whatever, right? Like, yes. <laughs> so I knew that was my destiny. I knew it was going to happen. So yeah, I came up with my own list of why, and I knew that um, whenever I was going to hit those moments pulling that list out and something on that list was going to motivate me and get me back on track. So that was the first thing I did was just work on my mentality before I did anything else. And so, and then it was about a, a game plan. Essentially, I just basically put together a schedule for myself and that really helped in creating a habit. So it was a why, and then it was creating the habits and that was just lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, and being having the habit and the discipline of it. I ended up seeing results. And how long did it take you? Six months, and I lost 70 pounds. And another thing that I did, actually, actually, I just remember this, um, because I also know that if I was going to get off the the train, I I knew if people knew that I was on a journey, if I knew people were watching me, I'd be less likely to quit. So when I decided I was going to go on a a weight loss journey, I actually, like, made a whole Facebook page about it. And I blogged every day about what walk I went on or I gave a fitness tip that I had learned or something that I was doing or I shared a new exercise that I learned. I shared something every day so I was held accountable and I didn't expect it. I didn't understand about building community and all that stuff. Like this was way before I was into podcasts and content creation. I didn't realize what I was doing, but that's exactly what I was doing. And the people who found the page and were inspired, all of a sudden I'm getting messages from people saying... I'm watching what you're doing and you got me motivated to get off my couch today or I'm going through a struggle and can I, can I ask you a couple questions? And, you know, those, those things really touched my heart and every single time it happened, it was another day added to my list of a roster uh, that was 
going to happen. Another day I was going to be motivated and keep moving forward. So that's another thing I did. I made my why list and then I, I announced it publicly in the Facebook page. So if, every, if I quit, everyone was going to know it. Yeah. It's the exact reason I'm doing this. Yeah. I need to get myself back on track. Yeah. How do I do it? Public humiliation. Perfect. <laughs> there I am. So you went on the six month journey. Did you find yourself chased by the specter of what you could once do? Oh, if that makes that any is sense. An excellent question. Like, so, yeah. so you're, you're starting your first couple of weeks and you remember being able to work out. You remember being able to fly across the gym yeah. doing gymnastics. And now you're go just trying to do some simple pushups and your lungs not keeping right, up with you. Right. Did that have an effect so on you? It's interesting. Yeah. Because with athletics, maybe because I didn't do any like serious sports, but the <laughs> athletic teams I was on, it wasn't like we did any major conditioning and all that kind of stuff. It was like, we learned the rules of the game. We learned the skills. We went on and played. And I had a really good time, but for me to be a disciplined every day, doing something, getting up, knowing what I'm doing and figuring out a workout routine, those like that was foreign to me. I knew that my body used to be able to do a whole bunch more, but I think the thing that really stuck in my head and really bothered me the most was the fact that I could feel every single breath as I was doing it. And the fact that my lung will only ever expand so much. Like there's only so much give and I, I feel it when it hits capacity. So if I, you know, I couldn't, um, like learning to run and doing those kinds of things was, was a real challenge. And it just, it was hard because of the feeling of my lungs. So I think to answer your point, your question was directly. It wasn't that I, I was frustrated that I was remembering things I used to be able to do and I wish I could do them. And how, when's it going to be when I can do them? It was more like, no matter what I do, my lung is always going to feel this way. And that's still honestly something I'm, I'm challenged with, you know, like I'm feeling it right now as we're talking. Um, it's affecting my, like I've been wanting to cough, but uh, you know, this is kind of like, I have to think about this all the time. And it's not just about the, the weight loss journey. It's, it's about the fact that I had a surgeon screw up so royally that my lung collapsed from appendectomy. Like that's insanity to me. The fact that I almost died on the flight, the fact that the nurse in the, at night literally abused me. Like those are the things that bother me more than anything else. And so for me to be able to go through every day, feeling every breath, that's where it gets frustrating. And it's been a mental hurdle, but I think I'm mostly overcome it. Just, it gets in my head every once in a while. Not often. <laughs> I can understand that. I feel compelled to ask this, even though um, I do want to absolutely say I completely understand if you don't want to answer. You've mentioned twice the idea that while you were in care for the appendectomy and the various things going on with your body that you were mm -hmm. abused, which since it was mentioned totally. twice, I feel compelled that I that I should yeah. ask you about it, even if though completely understand if you are uncomfortable talking about it because no if i was uncomfortable about it i wouldn't have brought it up i totally okay so essentially um it was this nurse at night and i don't the only reasoning i have for why she targeted me at least i'm assuming i was her target or only her only person maybe not but you know my last name is Leganier. it's a french last name and so i was in france and stumbling and tripping and having a really hard time expressing myself and communicating. And she was yelling at me constantly about speaking better French. 
And so my, in my head, I'm thinking, but why would I make this more difficult for myself? I'm in pain. But I, I think that was the trigger for her for some reason. At night or anytime I need to go to the bathroom, like I was in such a terrible condition that the, the, the hotel room was, was very large. So for me, I would have to get up and I'm attached to this IV thing, right? So I'm dragging this along with me and I'm taking maybe 20 minutes or so to cro- just to cross the room in order to go use the bathroom and then 20 minutes to come back. And I remember one time in particular that it was like 5.30 in the morning and I got up, went to the bathroom, got back to my bed by about six. <laughs> you know, that's the normal time. And she decided that that's when I get, I was going to get up and start my day. And she came in and she dragged me out of my bed and she hauled me down the hallway to where they had these, like the shower bay, um, kind of like you like an athletic locker of showers, right? They're all open kind of thing, tile. Um, and she, throws me against the the thing and I kind of fall into the corner and then she turns on the water on the hottest pressure hardest pressure hottest setting and just douses me in it and basically almost scalding my skin um and I'm completely naked obviously as she's doing this and then um so she had take torn off my my robe somewhere in the process I don't remember that but it was just it was rough housing and being screamed at and all constantly every night that was that was my my time. That was your shower. She basically gave you a prison shower when they bring the inmates in and you see, you see it in the movies all the time. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Was that the only bit of, um, like there needs to be more. No, that was, that was the highest. That was the, the worst of it. And that was the only time she ever did anything that was like that up until then it was yelling at me, screaming at me. Um, you know, maybe because you were the ugly American, right? Or or roughly handling me, kind of a thing. Not caring if she has to stick me fifteen times. Like she just was awful, you know. And and for someone who was, at, I mean, my lowest point, just about, um, she was just awful. And it's interesting. Um, there was another lady who was a nurse during the day, who was sweet as pie. The next summer, it was the summer after I was now graduated from college, and my brother had just graduated from law school. So those both graduations happened same time so my dad as adorable as he is wanted to uh take us on a our first real big vacation um and he called it the victory tour okay and so where do we go we go to europe <laughs> and so while we while we were in paris though i i was really on my heart i wanted to go see this nurse who was really nice to me and so we bought flowers for her and it was interesting the campus of this hospital is humongous right and i only saw it twice on the way in and on the way out and I was in pain both times, but for some reason, without even looking up, I knew the exact pathway to the building, the exact pathway through the building up to the floor where she was. And like a miracle, when I went to go see her and she embraced me, what she shared after I introduced her to my family was that this was, that was her last day on that floor, on that ward working in that hospital that day. So I just managed to say thank you, a major thank you to the nurse who was super kind to me. And she's who I focus on. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. That again, God, so sorry that that happened to you because that nobody deserves that under normal circumstances. Certainly not when they're in some of the yeah. most terrible shape of their life. Let's, let's go back to, um, yeah. you've begun working out. Talk a little bit about the routine. So here you are, you're trying to drop weight. Your lungs are, you're, you're, 
part of it is just retraining your lung to get in oxygen so you can move at a higher capacity (laughs) other than a crawl. What did these workouts look like? What did you do to start rebuilding yourself from an actual workout standpoint? Yeah, well, I was very thankful that the actually the biggest lesson I learned wasn't the exercising. It was actually the nutrition part of it. And that helped in two major ways. One was by giving me my body the fuel that it actually needed um, to build itself back the right way, you know, because uh, if, if all you eat are potato chips, guess what your body is made of? Potato chips. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, let's give yourself some healthy things. Those nutrients will give my muscles the, you know, what they need and all that kind of stuff. So drinking water a lot, those were very, very key for me to learn that as a lesson. It gave me the energy that I needed. So that was number one. And then it was also understanding that as much as I wanted to work out, I I took the advice and it was true that rest days were important. So I managed to work those in. So I'm like, okay, so let me, I'm, I was thinking I was working nine to five at the time. And so, um, I had my schedule. So what I essentially did was I jotted down my time throughout the day and I said, okay, when I wake up, I'm going to wake up at this time. So I have enough time to have a, a glass of water and then do this workout routine for an hour or whatever it lasted. And then, you know, go about my day. Um, so, and then throughout the day I had, snack breaks and meal breaks and I had everything planned out either the night before or the morning of so I brought every everything that I ate I prepared myself in one way shape or form no prepackaged food yeah I know I had asked about the workout thing and I but I also wanted oh, to get sorry. into okay. the diet <laughs> since you've naturally moved us into the diet <laughs> it is perfectly fine we were going to go here anyway so what exactly was your chosen form of diet. And when I talk about diet, I do mean methodology of eating, not like, hey, I decided I'm going to do Atkins, but before that I'm going to do Zone. However, I'm going to do (laughs) the entire potato chip and heavy dip diet. What are the particulars? You don't have to go into great detail, but for example, I do keto. I have a friend who is very much a kind of lower carbohydrate version or slower carbohydrate version of the Mediterranean diet. Diets are all individual. What works for you may not work for me. What works for me may in fact kill you. It just really depends on the individual. What worked for you? Yeah. So it became focused on proteins, on whole grains. Um, So that's where where I kind of lived. So it was um, and lots of vegetables and fruits and those kinds of things. So essentially as as much on the outer rim of the grocery store as possible. (laughs) where I lived, right? <laughs> Not the frozen food section, yes. but all the other stuff on the outside. So, yep. you know, the produce aisle and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I would make my own salads and that was one of my favorite things. Cause then you can put whatever you want in it and mix it up and make it fun. Um, so yeah, it was, it was lean meat. So like Turkey or, um, some chicken fish, and then, and then balancing that with good fruits, good vegetables, lots and lots and lots of water. And then I had, I tried to have a glass of 2% milk every day. And then I also took uh, multivitamin because I wanted to get just an extra boost of the nutrients. So I, I'm not a, a believer in a lot of the diet pills. So, but I think a multivitamin is, is really important. So I took a multivitamin. Um, but yeah, it was really just about, it was small meals five or six times a day. So my, my breakfast wasn't huge. My dinner wasn't huge. My, my, excuse me, my lunch wasn't huge. My dinner wasn't huge. Those were smaller portions. And then I had some very sensible snacks so that basically I kept myself, my body, my goal was to keep my body's metabolism constantly going so that it was hungry and then satisfied and then hungry and then satisfied and then hungry. <laughs> so it was just constantly going. And that's what I thought, what I saw really worked well for me was, um, 
lean meats, good grains, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of water. And what did you do in regards to fats? Oh, yeah. For fats, I had, um, like, I, I, oh, I took um, fish oil pills. I remember those. They stink really bad. <laughs> I taking those. Fish burps. <laughs> fish burps. It was so gross. Uh, but other than that, I also was very aware of not buying things that said low fat or low sugar or sugar-free and any of that stuff. Because those stuff, in my opinion... That's a sign of the devil. Let me explain why. <laughs> because if you take that stuff out, they're putting something else in it. So I, so that's why I didn't avoid. If if I wanted to have something that had fat in it, I just had it, but a much smaller portion. So I, at least I got my taste buds satisfied. But then I moved on and filled my belly with something else. So I didn't av- like clear off fat altogether. I just had a lot less of it, a lot less of it, and was more strategic in eating like the the good oils, those kinds of things. So olive oils, butter versus margarine when you're going to have some, things like that. Right, right. Just being very conscious of everything. So you shot for a slightly lower fat in your diet, but not excessively so. Yeah, not excessively so. I really, another thing I wanted to do, I wanted to it to not be a temporary thing. I really, really wanted to learn a new lifestyle. I wanted to be healthy forever. I wanted to be fit forever. So I wanted to learn something that was going to serve me not just for six months, but for 60 years, you know? And so that was what it was. It was really about learning all the little habits. And then as I was going on, really learning how to listen to my body. I remember at one point I started gaining weight again. I'm like, where is this weight coming from? So I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to what I'm doing. And I started really being conscious again, back to a heightened conscious level as I was when I first started. And I realized I dipped into an old habit of as part of my going to bed routine, I'd end up making a stop at the fridge and putting something in my mouth, whether it was, you know, some slices of turkey, whatever, or um, some even stuff that is healthy, like fruit. But at the end of the night, putting something in my belly and that just that was what was doing it. And so I was like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that anymore. And so cutting that out. So really listening and learning my body, knowing, again, it's like what you said, what works for for me. So I'd taken the information and just feel it like what really resonated with me. Yeah, that would have given you a a little bit of an insulin spike, thus preventing your body from doing. (laughs) Yeah. When you go to sleep, the whole idea is your body's releasing all these different hormones and your body's going through all of its changes when you eat something right before bed. And actually within two to three hours of bed, it disrupts all those processes. That's why when Sumo Dan was on, he was talking about sumo wrestlers. They eat food, go sleep because that builds the weight. Packs it on. So it's always a key for everybody not to eat before bed. <laughs> in fact, sumo wrestlers might write the best diet books. It's like, here's what you not do. <laughs> Don't do anything I do. <laughs> Another gentleman I'd spoken to, his name's Matt Birch. He basically describes the exact thing you were doing. Mm. And it's very much the eating the same portions six times a day. Basically, for him, I think it was like six equal meals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is a similar thing where it's like the three major meals smaller than normal plus sensible snacks to allow myself to get hungry and allow my body to burn a little bit of the fat that it had stored up and then knowing that something else but the key is allowing your body to still have an expectation that something's coming because if you starve yourself then your body holds on to the fat holds on to the stuff so you don't want to do that yes in my very unprofessional opinion <laughs> it's funny if you fast you can lose fat but if you under eat too much 
your body goes into a panic mode and it tries to hold on to everything. Yeah. So there's this weird dividing line where, okay, you can, you can fast and you will lose weight because your body's going to be like, oh, we're trapped for the winter. Time to, <laughs> time to access those stores. Exactly. But if you just, I'm only going to eat 900 calories. Well, your body needs 2000. If you're only eating yeah. 900, your body's going to be like, are we going to die? Hold on to that. Exactly. Exactly. You had gotten this methodology. This is how you ate. Yeah. And it's a very sensible, it sounds like there wasn't a specific diet per se. It just was like sensible, the whole grains, which actually gives more of a slower type carb, Mm -hmm. though the fruits, the fruits are still kind of direct sugar, but a lot of what you were eating, it takes work from the body to break it down. Yeah. And also because the fruit, yes, there's sugar, but there's also a lot of um, fiber and all these other things that come with it. And because your body has to make an effort to break it down, it doesn't spike your bloodstream and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, just eating a handful of Snickers bars or something like that would. So it's, it's very, very different. And it was really good to go through that experience and learn all of that. <laughs> so you had the diet, which worked really well. Yeah. You had yourself... A psychological buttress in the fact that what you did is like, okay, I'm going to make my list. I'm going to have my methodology. I'm going to understand what I'm doing and I'm going to publicly broadcast it so that when I slip, I will have a bunch of, if only in my mind, a bunch of fingers pointing at me going, saw what you did there. You shouldn't have done that. So that the natural shame that is built into life can come and go sort of like, Maybe I do want ice cream, but then I've got to account for it. Oh, no. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> was there anything else that, that helped you? Or, or, or was this like nice little package able to kind of wind your engine throughout the entire time? I think um, the other thing that helped me, so if you don't mind, I will go back to the exercise. And so I'll say that... Um, so when I started working out, it was that beach body program, right? And it was a lot of fun. And I think if I remember correctly, there were three levels. And so I remember when I got to the, the last level and it was really hard when I first started, but after a little while and it was really, really easy, I was like, ah, oh, I got this, right? And then I realized, crap, now I'm bored. <laughs> I don't want to be bored. I can't be bored. I'm like on this awesome mission. I can't get bored. So what I did, what I did was... Um, I challenged myself again and I just did something new. I heard about this um, charity based triathlon where you can raise money for um, leukemia and lymphoma society. So I'm like, I'll do that. And so I got, and I'm like, I'm a terrible swimmer. I'm a terrible runner. Uh, sign me up. So, so the thing is they train you for months before you go out and do the actual event. And so, so that's what I did. I switched it from the routine in my bedroom by myself, you know, at home to now I'm working out with other people on a regular basis. They're, you know, expecting me to show up and I'm, I'm seeing these, I'm getting interaction and stuff like that. So it was a challenge. Right. And then somewhere in that, in there, I also started to mix in, I discovered um, kickboxing and that I love punching things. Yes. Yes. So I started working that at that in. So anytime I saw myself getting a little bit bored with the physical side of the routine, I just switched up, found something new and interesting to in fact something I'll I'll share with you. I'll never forget. I was I was super fit, like I'd reached my goals, I was in the zone, like every day was like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then something happened. (laughs) I was sitting at home and I was just getting ready to, to eat a meal and I was just sitting down. And my AC kicked on and the AC was directly pointed right 
to hit me where I was sitting. Now I have this weird thing. I don't get cold unless the air is moving. So you can put me in 30 degrees with no no wind. I'm fine. But if it's 65 and it's blowing, I'm freezing. So I get up real quick to turn off the AC. And I forgot that I had moved my very heavy ottoman just slightly that day. Without thinking, I crossed the room really fast and my I broke my small toe on my ottoman. And so I I knew it broke. I felt it break and I yelled because it hurt. But the 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 yell that got my neighbors to come was the second yell because I screamed, realizing I might not be able to work out anymore. broke my toe so i screamed again because i broke my toe right after reaching goal um but then i reset my toe myself and impressed the same doctor who saw me with my lungs class just 10 years earlier she's like you really reset your own bone i said yes i did (laughs) so yeah but anyways i don't even know why i told you that story but there you go (laughs) i'm just still horrified at the breaking the toe on the ottoman it's all you know you stub your toe and you, there's always that moment where you're like did i break something no i didn't but just the idea that you might oh oh, oh i knew it i knew it <laughs> but this isn't the first setback or it might have been the first so was it how much of a setback was it so you broke your toe you reset your toe your doctor th- your doctor probably is slightly afraid of you when you're not in the office <laughs> so yeah, I think that was the hardest part was just figuring out what do I do to not get this weight back on. I was terrified of getting the weight back on, losing my motivation. Um, I just saw it all go downhill in five seconds in my brain. And so um, so I just had to really think, okay, I'm going to double down, not technically, but I'm going to double down and being really focused on the nutrition side and then do what I can. And, and I just had to have lots of conversations with my doctor. She's like, you're crazy pants. You cannot go do that. Nope, that's off the list. Nope, that's off the list. <laughs> but I did find some things that I could do. Like the elliptical is 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 great because there's not a whole lot of pressure. And so those kinds of things. Um, there's there's a sitting the sitting bike. It's been a long time since so I've been in the gym, y'all. <laughs> Anyways, so I found some alternatives. There's the arm crank where you don't even have to use your leg. There you go. There you go. So I was doing all kinds of things, lifting weights and stuff like that that did not require my little toe. So I just tried to make it through as best I can. And once my toe was healed, I got right back into it. And have you been able to? Uh... So <laughs> you can ask like... me if I'm able to keep it off. I, I, yeah, that's where I'm going. I, but then I got another thought. I was like, do I want to, before moving on from here, do I want okay. to, is there anything else I want to clarify, clarification on? Because me, I speak English too. Um, <laughs> very well. Thank you very much. Pinky out. Um, I like the fact that your thought on fitness was always sort of like, well, I did this. I was getting bored of this. What do I do? Make it fun again. Because I think that's one of the keys for a lot of people, especially if you do, if they don't work out is you got to get in your reps in cardio. Yes, you do. And a lot of cardio is God awful boring, mm-hmm. but it's like you mentioned, you discovered kickboxing. Well, <laughs> suddenly cardio is a lot more interesting, a lot more fun. <laughs> a lot more fun. <laughs> so I think for, for most, it's, it's important to know that don't just go onto a treadmill. Don't just get onto a bike unless you enjoy biking or you enjoy being on a treadmill. But if you find that it's a major drain on you find something more fun like i like chasing my buddy around the gym trying to punch him in his face (laughs) fortunately he's consented to this so it's not just i randomly do it i would but i need to see a video (laughs) 
and, and there are videos of me like boxing with, with my buddy, but we go through boxing training and sometimes what it is, is I'm holding a weight and I'm just going up and down over a line. The point being that the cardio is boxing and ooh, sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. It was quite funky. But the boxing is the cardio and it's a lot of fun. And do I suffer immensely? I'm not worried about the time. I'm not sitting there going 10 more minutes. You know what, what clicked in my brain? It clicked in my brain that when, I, when we were kids, we were running around doing what all kinds of kind of stupid, crazy stuff, right? And mm-hmm. making up stuff and playing with whatever we found on the street that day. You know what I mean? Just running around. And because of that, at least in my case, I was very trim as a child. And I had to remember that, like, sometimes it's not about doing something that's structured, like getting on the treadmill for 25 minutes and doing that. Like, you don't have to do that. It can be going to the beach and throwing the Frisbee around with your kid. It can be, you know, all there can be all kinds of different ways that you do it. And so, so get creative and have fun with it. Honestly, there are great meetup groups for activities and stuff and, you know, go out there and join other people and do things with other people that are activity based. If the thought of working out gives you a rash, <laughs> go out, don't tell it working out, go do an activity. <laughs> there are adult dodgeball leagues in your town <laughs> right now. That's These people right. in a couple hours are going to meet. You That's can't right. get on a treadmill. You can't, you can't, Fathom the idea of being on a bike. You don't need to. Exactly. You can take a red ball and throw it in someone's face tonight <laughs> and get your fitness on that way. It's all a matter of I'm in. fun. I'm in. I'd be in too, but I've got to like save my energy to put, try to put my fist in Scott's <laughs> face. I need to conserve. I've got so much. So, so find the fun in your workout. There's not one thing that works for just that works for everybody. Not one thing works for everybody. You find the thing that works for you. But one thing that we all like is to have fun. Unless you don't, at which point, <laughs> seek help. <laughs> but for the rest of us, there, there's a ton of stuff. You can go out and do Frisbee golfing. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm terrible at that, I discovered. I'm the worst, so don't invite me. <laughs> I, I'm there with you. I'm terrible at... Laugh. <laughs> Literally, people driving by stopped and laughed at me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. You're a natural entertainer. You are just being you. You are just being you. It's, it's perfectly fine. In my heart, I'm laughing at you right now. Um, so, so cardio, enjoy it. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise suffer, but you don't have to. Right. You don't have to. So you made this transformation. Yes. You became the you that you wanted to be as you. The butterfly sprung from the cocoon. <laughs> yes. The wings had spread. Yes. Were you able to keep it off? I was until I had another human growing inside of me named Jordan. (laughs) So that's your excuse. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I actually got pregnant literally a month after the triathlon. So I was at my physical peak and then I got pregnant. And what's funny about that is um, (laughs) I'm going to send you a picture after this because it's going to blow your mind. But um, and it'll go in the video. Okay, good. Because I was I was so fit and trim by this point, but my belly grew straight out. So it was huge, but it looked like I swallowed a missile. So I'm not even kidding. There were so many times where I was walking down the aisle at like Target or whatever, doing my groceries, and I turned to grab something off a shelf, and I'd hear behind me, "Oh my God, where'd that come from?" Because someone didn't expect it. 
Yeah, it was a big belly. When you mentioned Target, the image that formed in my mind is just like at the end of an aisle, you see the end cap. And yeah. very much like the shark in Jaws when the fin would come out, I just like your belly. There you go. You there's no the you. Before you there's no you. Just there the belly go. comes into frame. <laughs> then you forgot something and it just goes away. I love it. Oh, my God. My cheeks are hurting. That was just, that. That's just that's the only so thing good. that popped into my mind. The idea of you turning around and knocking over all the soda bottles, like in a nice display, a la like old si- sitcoms, also is yep. making me happy at the moment. Yep, that so you, definitely happened. <laughs> so you spawned a human. I did, and that that sort of tripped you up a little bit. It did because because so I'm a single mom, and Dad was not in the picture for the pregnancy. Um, he's now a great dad to my son. He's actually over there now, um, but he was not there for me during the pregnancy. So the stress of going through that alone, um, I, I, I lost my job. I lost my apartment. My, oh. it was, it was a terrible, 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 terrible time. So the stress of that, um, was really ho- horrible, <laughs> difficult. And, um, on, and part of the theory why my th- doctors think my belly grew the way it did. <laughs> we just can't explain what we saw. It's true. Um, so it was, it was tough, but then, because I had, I was by myself, I had to do everything for myself. So all while I was pregnant in that huge belly, I had to do all my own laundry, go to the groceries, all, you know, carry everything, everything for myself. And after my son was born, they discovered that I had developed a hernia during the pregnancy. And so I had an umbilical hernia. So after he was born, my whole thought was I'm going to get right back into the gym and get to working out and get right back on track. And da, da, da. And that didn't happen because now I had this extremely painful hernia in the middle of my abdomen so then the doctor wanted to do you know to fix it so it was going to be a whole nother year so I had to wait a whole nother year for that surgery then once that surgery happened I still didn't have anyone there with me and I now had a one-year-old to take care of so same thing I had to do all the stuff and now I have (laughs) my one-year-old on top of it and they say yay whenever you have hernia surgery don't carry anything over 10 pounds well guess what weighs more than 10 pounds a one-year-old so the hernia repair was kind of iffy and it made it really hard for me to get back on track and I've I've never gotten back into the same routine I, I wish I could maybe one day right now it's just about trying to get out there and at least getting for a walk as often as I can and you know one thing that I did tell my son that I would love to do, because um, we have a dining area that's not used for dining. It's actually a video game area. But our video games have made it to our priorities. main living room area. I know, priorities. So. Priorities. <laughs> you've, you, you've, got, you've got a coffee table in the living room. You can eat exactly, there. Exactly. Exactly. Fully so on the, board. <laughs> so the video games is slowly, one by, console by console, made their way to the living room. So now that area is really not being used anymore. So I want to turn it into like our own little mini kickboxing thing because my son can punch he's really good at it and so so i'm gonna teach him some things with kickboxing and stuff so we're gonna have our own little home gym so that's my next game plan all you really need is a couple a couple mats for the floor and get get one of those freestanding not the ones with the water bases because those are terrible when you (laughs) kick that plastic base and discover that that toe can break again yes (laughs) but they've got those nice i have one it's like the nice sand base and then like you get one of those and you're golden. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to go for. Yeah. Make a nice little setup for us. 
<laughs> That's an awesome idea. And then, you know, you've got your your son who will have far more energy than adults are allowed. Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> energy for days. <laughs> you effectively will have all the cardio you could ever want. <laughs> That's right. I chase after him all day long. Yep. As he stands uh, over you going, are you done? Are you are done? Because I'm not. <laughs> exactly. Get up, mom. <laughs> As I keep saying on this show for various episodes is the purpose of this is to help people focus on their fitness and to kind of see themselves, their challenges in us. So you've had a healthy buffet of horrible <laughs> challenges that could just be soul breaking. And for the most part, are, were entirely unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who, you know, they're, they're depressed, mm-hmm. they've gained weight. They don't know how to motivate themselves because they're just dealing with despair. Yeah. But they but they would like to make a change in their lives. Yeah. If you were sitting next to this person and you wanted to reach out and give them advice to try to help them self-motivate, what might you say to them? I would say to get laser focused on the part of your soul who knows you're worth it. Get laser focused with that part of your soul and make that part of your soul your best friend. Because it's so hard when, for the most part, you don't think you're worth it. You don't think you're worth the effort, but if you can latch on to that piece of you that knows you're worth it and then just keep going back to it, letting it thrive as much as you can, letting it be, be the guidepost for you as you journey on saying, you know what, I, I, I know I don't feel like I'm worth it today. I don't feel like going out and working out because, um, I just, I'm not worth it. Tap into that piece of you that knows that you are and, and, just make it your best friend and lock arms with it and hold on for dear life because you are worth it. And so whether it goes back to the thing I said at the very beginning, you know, making your own why list, make your own why list, but know that you're, you're worth it. You're, you need to stay on this planet. People need you. People love you. And, um, and it can start from within and that's how it has to start. It can't start with a million messages from everyone else. It has to start in here. So find that voice in there. And make it big. Thank you so much. That was very lovely. So, Jemmy. So, Bruce. <laughs> you're really just this really nice bundle of positivity without being overtly in your face positive. I like it's, it's so it's so nice. It's so real. And being so real, where can people find you when they're not finding you here? <laughs> well, you can find me at flintstonemedia.com. That is my business. Um, but then you can also find me on TikTok or Instagram, not Instagram, TikTok or uh, Clubhouse or Good Pods as producer Jemmy, J A I M E. But yeah, Flintstone Media is where you can just go to find literally all the things. <laughs> and all those links will be in the episode description and wherever this thing goes, those links will be there as well. And me, you can find me, as you know. At this podcast, because you're listening to it, the fittest <laughs> fat kid you know. At the socials, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all at, at fittest fat kid. If you've got a question, a concern, if you want to reach out, if you want to talk about your fitness, you can email me at hi there at fittestfatkid.com. As I keep saying, and as I've promised I'd keep saying, at some point there will be a website, and it will be at www.fittestfatkid.com. If you're enjoying this episode, leave a like, a comment, subscribe. We always appreciate it. No matter who you are, 
hold yourself accountable, but do it with kindness and understanding. And I'll talk to you next week.